0: Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, amen. Good morning. Uh, What a joy it is to be with you today. Um, And we are continuing our Alpha series with what seemingly is a simple question however when we dig deep into this question we will see it is not that simple the question today is why and how should I tell others about Alpha have you told anybody that you are doing the Alpha course and if you have what was their reaction I've spoken to a few people, and they say, well, that sounds a little strange. And I say, well, this is our Christian journey and walk to discover. (laughs) Well, I don't know where you stand. Maybe you say, well, I'm not ready to tell anybody. I don't even know where I stand. I don't know what I think of it. But maybe you say, well, I'm beginning to experience something that's different. I'm beginning to experience something of an encounter with Jesus. Maybe on the weekend, you experience something. Well, supposing you have some experience of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and somebody asks you about it. What would you say? How would you explain, and why would you want to? Sometimes people say, well, the best kind of Christian is the one that simply lives out their faith. And often they talk about a member of their family who is this amazing Christian but never talks about their faith. So why should we tell others? Well, first of all, Jesus told us to tell others. Did you know that the word go appears in the Bible 1,514 times? Jesus was always saying to people, go, Go and tell. Go and invite. This is such wonderful news. I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Go and tell people about it. Go and make disciples. Second reason is because of the needs of the other people in the world. There is such a hunger. Like if you we're in a desert and you came across a mirage, you would want to tell others about it. An oasis, not a mirage, that would be bad. And Jesus satisfies the inner hunger for meaning and for purpose. He died for us to set us free. This is amazing news that we can bring to other people who are often in such desperate need. A recognition of that need sometimes comes from surprising sources. I read something recently that the singer Sinead O'Connor said. She said this, As a race, we feel empty because our spirituality has been wiped out and we don't know how to express ourselves. And as a result, we are encouraged to fill that gap with alcohol, drugs, sex, or money people out there are screaming for the truth so we do it out of love for other people and we do it because it's such good news that's what the word gospel means it means good news and the message of Jesus is the most wonderful news and good news travels fast I probably don't need to tell you this, but some of you may not be aware in our world, news travels very, very quickly because of our social media, because of the access we have, where in times past, something would happen, and for those of you young enough, you may not know this, but we used to have newspapers that would tell you what happened the day before. And anything that happens around the world now within seconds It can be seen and viewed by the whole world, whoever may have access to that. Sometimes that is good, sometimes that is bad, but the message we're hearing today and the question is, how can we make good news travel fast? We can, in fact, in our seeking to tell others about Jesus and our faith, sometimes cause a problem. Not long ago, I had an encounter uh, with a young lady, and I was wearing my collar, and she asked me what it was. And so I said, well, this is my uniform that I wear. That's an easier way to describe it to young people. And she had several questions. Now, at first, her questions were a little vague and and kind kind of broad, but as we begin to dive into some of these simple questions, her questioning became less broad, And really more pointed now before I go any further I have to tell you that one of my absolute favorite things is talking to young people about God it brings me joy it brings me hope for the future of the world now I work diligently not to force my own thoughts on someone but I want to have a conversation so that they can encounter God as God is entering their life Now, that being said, I completely and utterly missed the mark on this one. I was so excited to talk with her about my faith and beliefs and answer her question that I inadvertently ignored the pain in her voice. She was seeking something from me that I failed to give her because of my own thoughts. I finally clued in when she said to me, how could you love a God who doesn't answer prayers and takes our loved ones from us for no good reason? That question rocked me to my core, and I quickly realized how insensitive that I had been. Even though it was unintended, I caused a deeper divide between this young woman and God. And sometimes that kind of conversation brings out a fear. When we have these conversations, those of you that know me know that I am probably one of the least introverted people you'll ever meet in your life. But there is one surefire way to shut me down. And usually that has to do with the fact that I am a cradle Episcopalian. I have been in the Episcopal Church my whole life. While I have attended and experienced other forms of worship and, de- and denominational differences, when someone says to me, Well, what does the Episcopal Church believe? It's like crickets in my mind, and it causes fear. I know what to say to them, I know how to respond, but sometimes I buckle under the pressure because I'm fearful of not saying it right or saying it in a way that is too academic, as the Episcopal Church over time has tended to be. I think of a time in an airport in uh, Atlanta. I was at a conference with my seminary class, and a man walked up to one of my friends who was from a very evangelical, reformed background, and the man started talking about the end of times and the end of the world, and I thought, I'm so glad he's not talking to me. And my friend Scott whips out an epistle from Paul and he says, you need to live with the spirit of adoption, not fear. I can't pull gospel verses out of my mind like that. And I am almost to the point where I want to simply put the creed on a business card and say, read this, and then we'll have a conversation later. And really, essentially, you can sum up all of this with one word, and that's love. There are various ways we can do this, in many ways, but I'm going to talk about five quick points to make it a little easier to remember. And the first one is presence, being there, being out there in the world. This is what Jesus said in Matthew's gospel. You are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Well, Jesus says, if you want to make a difference, you've got to be out there. You're like salt. Salt, of course, flavors things, but in the ancient world, it was a preservative. and stopped meat from going bad. And he said, you are the people who are going to stop society around you from going bad. You're going to have a wide-ranging influence. You are the salt of the earth, the whole world. You are the light that will bring light to in the darkness. Martin Luther King famously wrote, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And Jesus said, you've got to be out there in the workplace, in your friends, in your community, acting like salt and light. And we do that just by the life that you lead and by the life that And love you have for other people. Little acts of kindness by your integrity, your authenticity, honesty, just by the kind of people that you are, gracious and trustworthy. And then he says, by your good deeds, that people may see your good deeds. How you respond to hunger. Homelessness, poverty, what we do about injustices in the world, the gross inequalities, the inhumanity. I will say with 100% assurance that Christchurch, we do that. But we cannot stop now. We have to look at someone named William Wilberforce. William Wilberforce was 27 years of age and he looked around the world then in the 18th century and saw the terrible evil of slavery. Now, we all know that slavery is evil, but at the time, they didn't think of it like that. They thought of it as a great boon for the economy, and very, people, very few people thought it was a good thing to abolish slavery. But he saw how inhuman it was, how degrading it was, what an abomination it was, and he was determined at age 27 to give his life to seeing this terrible evil removed from our society. And in order to do that, he got himself elected as an MP. He put down numerous bills in Parliament. They were all defeated. It was such an unpopular course. But Wilberforce was so passionate that he kept going, driven by his faith in Jesus Christ. And he believed, to put it in his own words, that the Almighty would give him success. And he did. But it took him 45 years. It wasn't until 1833 that the Abolition of Slavery Act was passed in Parliament. Three days later he died and was buried in Westminster Abbey in national recognition of those 45 years of persevering struggle on behalf of African slaves. But what about today? Today, we have massive needs out there. Look at the poverty. At least a billion people in the world living on less than a dollar a day, going to bed hungry every night. Last year, roughly one and a half million people died of AIDS-related diseases. And actually, slavery has made a comeback. Modern-day slavery is far greater than it was in the 18th century and there are far more people in slavery today than have ever been. Every 30 seconds, another victim is taken into human trafficking. And when you talk about these vast numbers, it's easy to think, oh, you know, what can I do? It's just so massive. And is it really possible for one individual to make any difference? There was a man walking on a beach in Mexico And he saw on the beach tens of thousands of starfish. The tide had receded and they left these starfish dying out there, lacking oxygen and the heat of the sun. And he noticed a little boy was picking them up and throwing the starfish back in the water one by one. He was walking down to the water's edge and throwing them into the sea. And he said to this little boy, look at this beach. There are tens of thousands of starfish. Do you really think that you're going to make any difference? And the little boy just went back and picked up another one, and he threw it in the sea. And as he did so, he said, it made a difference for that one. And that's all we can do. We can make a difference for one person at a time. The second is presence. The first is presence. The second is persuasion, not pressure, my friends. Pressure is very off-putting. But persuasion is what early Christians used. Paul said, we try and persuade people because this is so wonderful, it is such good news. We want everyone to know about Jesus. We try to persuade people to the truth and the life of death and resurrection of Jesus. Look Uh, The Apostle Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason. It is not irrational to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Now, gentleness is the opposite of arrogance. Respect, because every human being is created in the image of God. And one of the ways we show respect for people is by listening to them. Now, you may have been surprised when you first came to the Alpha uh, small groups because the, the host of your group may have asked, what do you think? What do you feel? What do other people in the group think? And you thought, well, why doesn't he say something or she say something? And the reason is because most people aren't ready to listen until they feel that they have been heard. I love the small groups because people are so fascinating and I have learned so much. The third talking point is proclamation. Communicating the message of Jesus. That's what we're trying to do in Alpha. There's an almost infinite variety of ways in which you can communicate the message of Jesus to other people, but there are some of the ways, and here's some of the ways in the New Testament First of all, people say, Come and see. That's what Jesus did. That's what he said to the disciples. If you're interested and you want to see what's going on, let's go. Come and see. And then people followed him and they went and said to their friends, Hey, guess what? Come and see what this guy's doing. I guess that's why many of you are with this Alpha Course today. Some friend or some member of your family or someone at work said, Hey, come and see. And actually, there is no greater privilege than introducing someone to Jesus. We look at Andrew. He was one of the first disciples, and he was invited by Jesus saying, Come and see, and the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. William Temple, a former Archbishop of Canterbury, said, that's the greatest service one person can render to another to bring them to Jesus. And Andrew was always bringing people to Jesus. Now, we don't know that much about Andrew except that he was always doing that, bringing people to Jesus. One of the people that he brought was his brother Peter and he was probably one of the greatest influences on the world history of humankind. Now, not all of us can do what Peter did, but we can all do what Andrew did, bring people to Jesus. There was a man named Albert McMakin. He was 24 years of age. He was a farmer, and he had just become a Christian and was really excited. He heard that there was an event going on where someone was speaking about Jesus, and he decided he would invite all his friends. So he got this old van, and there was a guy he really wanted to invite to this event. This guy was a farmer's son, and he really wasn't interested. He had lots of girlfriends, and he was a very good-looking guy. And Albert thought, how am I going to get him? So eventually he said to him, look, would you just drive the van? And the guy said, okay, well, I'll drive the van. I don't want to come, but I'll drive the van. And he came along and drove the van, and and was interested to see what was going on. And so he popped in the back, and he was spellbound. And he, was, and he went back night after night after night, and on the last night, the speaker said, if you want to give your life to Jesus, come to the front. And this farmer's son got up and went to the front. Since that day, that person has spoken to 210 million people in person about the Christian faith. He was the friend and confidant of nine American presidents, and he's spoken, not live, but through television and so on, to half the world's population. His name, of course, is Billy Graham. That was 1934. We can't all be Billy Graham, but we can be Albert McMakin. That's the point. Tell people about God and bring them to Jesus by simply saying, come and see sometimes we encounter God in ways that are so unexpected that we are blown away there was a man who was struggling in business and his marriage and financially and all of these things he was having a really really hard time and he was on a business trip in the United States he flew over from Europe and he got in a cab and began to speak to the cab driver because he saw a picture of his children on the dashboard, and in the midst of this congregation this conversation, uh, the taxi driver said something that stopped him in his tracks. The driver said, "You don't sound very happy." He could sense in his voice, and he said, "You know what? if you believe in Jesus things." will improve and you can find happiness. And as this conversation went on before he left the cab, the driver turned and said, could we pray? If you want to be happy to find fulfillment, to find joy, invite God into your life. Now, if you're anything like me, that is not a very Episcopal approach to do that. But maybe it should be. Maybe it's time that we take our faith to another level. The next point that we're going to talk about is power, but uh, we're going to look more um, about this because in Alpha, we see the power of conversation and how the Holy Spirit is working in our story groups, in the sermons, in all of these things, and we will look more about that later in our meetings. Lastly, prayer. Pray for others. The Apostle Paul said, My heart's desire and prayer to God is that they may be saved. So I think of a man that I knew named Rick. When he became a Christian, he was so excited, but he didn't have any Christian friends. He did have one friend, and he called him, and his friend said, Oh, He tells him, he says, listen, I just became a Christian. And his friend said, that's fantastic. I have been praying for you. That's good news. Every single day for four years, I have prayed for you. And Rick thought, wow, that really works. I better start praying for my friends. So he started praying for his friend Tim. Ten weeks later, Tim becomes a Christian. Now, I want to encourage you in the difficulties Of the world especially right now with the pandemic with people struggling with depression with anxiety with all of the different things we're experiencing right now is to not give up don't give up on telling people about God because the message we have is so important one last story There was a man in World War II who was shot and dying in the trenches. And his friend came over and said, is there anything I can do for you? And the man said, no, I'm dying. There's nothing you can do for me. And he said, well, is there a message that you would like for me to take when I go home? And he said, yes, go to this man at this address and tell him that what he taught me as a child is helping me to die right now. So when the guy got back to England, his friend got back, went to see the man, and it turned out to be his Sunday school teacher. And he went to the Sunday school teacher and told him what had happened, that what he would taught him as a child helped him to die in the last minutes of his life. And the Sunday school teacher said, God, forgive me. I gave up teaching Sunday school years ago because I thought, that what I was doing was having no effect. My friends, whenever you pass on the message, the good news of Jesus, it has an effect. Because the gospel is the power of God. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more, go to ChristChurchTulsa.org and peace be with you.